welcome to the official podcast for the Australian Podiatry Association. This is where we talk about issues affecting podiatrists and their patients, as well as a range of broader issues. My name is Nello Marino. I'm the CEO of the Australian Podiatry Association and delighted to be your host for today's episode. Chronic swelling or edema uh, of the lower limbs can be a sign of several medical conditions, the most common of these being lymphedema, venous insufficiency, heart or kidney failure. Today we're focusing on lymphedema and the complications, assessment and treatment of the condition. We're delighted to be joined by Professor Neil Pillar. Uh, welcome, Neil. Thank you. It's nice to be involved in this conversation today, as I always love every single conversation we can have. Uh, judging on our on our earlier conversation, that's absolutely evident. I'm sure that everyone will be delighted to get to know you a little a little better. Um, just as a little bit of background, Neil is a lymphologist and director of the Lymphedema Clinical Clinical Research Unit at Flinders University and is a leading member of the Australian and international lymphedema and lymphology profession. His credentials go back a long way uh, and very widely published. And Neil's bio, without going into the detail, um, is very, very focused on doing best for the patient. Neil, in preparation for today's conversation, we spoke to a number of podiatrists in general practice to find out what they'd like to know about lymphedema. So the questions we've, we've got today for you uh, will centre largely around what's come from them. And so obviously both in from a perspective of curiosity and information about how they can better go about treating their patients with lymphedema. So perhaps I'd like to start by asking um, if you could provide a, a really straightforward explanation of what is lymphedema and what causes lymphedema, particularly in the lower limbs. Sure. A very good question to start with. And I'd like to put that in context. Uh, lymphedema is one of three types of edema, I guess. We've got, got acute edema, which everyone will know about. We've got chronic edema, and then we've got lymphedema. And lymphedema is when the lymphatic system is showing signs of failure. And that's generally around about 10 or 12 weeks of chronic edema can become lymphedema when the lymphatic system is failing. And a failing lymphatic system means that the load on the system is greater than its transport capacity. So all the residual stuff sits around in the tissues. That's what lymphedema is. And the causes of it are many. And it's obviously the major ones with the legs are associated with surgery or radiotherapy in the groin uh, area, associated with bowel cancer, associated with stomach cancers and all those sort of things, also associated with melanomas and the like. But, you know, there's other reasons other than the surgery and the radiotherapy that someone might end up with lymphedema. And one of the main ones underlying all of this is the fact that many patients have got a, a primary uh, issue with their lymphatics. It's a developmental issue. Some people's lymphatics can't pump as well as other people's lymphatics. Some people's lymphatics can't generate pressure. So it doesn't take much external pressure on a lymphatic pathway draining from the foot up through the knee to the groin to actually stop or slow lymph flow and give rise to lymphedema. And some examples of this are 
a, a blockage associated with a DVT, a blockage associated with an external tumour around the lymphatics or in the tissues, um, external pressure, uh, even the external pressure generated by elastic in the groin area may compromise drainage because uh, of Laplace's law and those sort of things. Bloating, unbelievably, can sometimes slow down lymphatic drainage, as can constipation, simply because of the pressure in the abdominal area. And every time I mention one of those things, that represents a leverage point for the patient. You know, um, if you know about what's going on, you may be able to look at that and say, hey, we can fix that and uh, resolve the or make the lymphedema less significant or less severe or whatever. But basically, lymphedema, a failure of the lymphatic system. So clearly a lot of interdependency there by the sound of it, uh, Neil. Um, With treatment, can lymphedema go away? That's a very good question. Probably no, um, but you can reduce the signs uh, of it and this and and all of the problems associated with the other comorbidities i mean lymphedema like i said is a failure of the lymphatic system and the answer is yes we can make anyone's lymphatic system work a little bit better okay we can make it work better by finding alternate pathways um, of drainage um, and a good therapist will understand how to do that we can create surgically new pathways we can link one functional lymphatic vessel with another functional lymphatic vessel somewhere else or with a functional vein to drain the the fluid away. So um, we can do all sorts of things. Um, It probably never goes away, but we can do lots of things to manage that problem with the lymphatic system. And while I've been mentioning surgical and, 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 and physical options, there's also the other side of the story, which is making sure you reduce the load on the lymphatic system. And here's where the recognition by a podiatrist of what's going on, which could be loading the lymphatic system, is really, really important. So, yeah, it, it, it's not going to go away, but it can be very, very well managed and very well controlled to an extent where you may not even realise someone's got lymphedema. In other words, it, it, may be so sub, it may be subclinical. There's some little issues going on in the tissue, but nothing's overtly obvious. Mm, okay, so so you've focused there very much on management, Neil, and, and management being the a means by which the issue is addressed. Uh, what are some of the um, are there some are there treatment options for the condition? Um, for example, what are the clinical criteria for say? Um, and this probably fits into management to some extent, but choosing compression garment therapy. But what are some of the other? other uh, treatment and management uh, methodologies that might be used? Okay, another good question that was, Nello. Um, Treatment and management. Um, Generally, when you're dealing with a lymphedema, a chronic situation, like I said, um, there are two phases of dealing with it. Number one is the intensive treatment phase. Once the lymphedema has been diagnosed and we've got some objective information about that lymphedema, um, we begin an intensive phase. And then following that intensive phase is what's called a management phase. And it's the management phase where the patient, the partner and the carer in association with a good therapist will be, be doing things. But it's, it's the intensive phase that's important and what leads to what's in the intensive phase, uh, which is absolutely critical. And to actually give the best 
phases and the best treatments within those phases, you need some objective measurements about that lymphedema, about where is it, um, what's happened to the tissues, what's happened to the lymphatics, um, where is it working, where isn't it working, and those sort of things. And those objective measures can be gained by using such strategies as bioimpedance spectroscopy, tissue dielectric constants, interometry and stuff, which gives you pictures and feelings about the fluid in the tissues, uh, the fibre in the tissues, the problems in the tissues. And then if we know that, we can then target and sequence the treatments and develop the best intensive program and then the best management, management program for that patient. So, yes, in the management phase, in the intensive phase, bandaging and garments are absolutely essential. They're one of the, the three things that are very critical uh, in terms of lymphedema management. It's, it's lymphatic drainage massage, whatever you want, by whatever name you want to call it. It's compression. It's improvement in skin care and all of those, th- those other related areas. So on that front, Neil, compression clearly plays, or compression garments in particular probably play a pretty significant role um do do you do you have any suggestions particularly for podiatrists about how best to increase compliance of compression garment therapy yeah um compression gets literally a bad reputation sometimes because um the the patient hasn't been prescribed or hasn't selected the right compression or the right compression gradient. And there are two things with lymphedema we've got to remember. In order to get the fluid, let's imagine we've got a a swollen foot or a swollen ankle or something. If there's fluid down there, it's got to find its way up past the knee, past the groin, through the abdominal area, through the thoracic area to a a junction at the left subclavian jugular, right up here in the left shoulder. And, you know, if... If we put compression on down distally in the in the foot or the um, ankle, and there's a lot of fluid already in the system proximally, that fluid's going to have a tough time getting out of that leg. Okay, so no matter how much we put on there, it's going to be a problem. So this leads to the message: before you you even use compression, you've got to clear out the area proximally. In other words, I guess I use the analogy always: um, if you want to get a good result from compression, you need to empty the buckets. You can't put water in a bucket full of water. And with a lymphedema patient, you've got to actually do that sort of thing proximally. You've got to get them to breathe. You've got to get have a look at all the possible external compression around the groin with under with elasticity of underwear and those sort of things because that may be compromising the, the, mm. uh, if the optimum outcome from using pressure, compression, a compression garment. So yeah, prepare yeah. the patient. So, so does that suggest, therefore, Neil, on that basis that arguably if, if not cleared proximally and done properly, that arguably the, um, the swelling can be trapped to some extent by the use yeah. of, of garment, uh, compression garment? Yeah, that's quite possible. And we yeah. see some examples where the compression garment is inappropriately selected. There's a higher pressure proximally than there is distally. So the fluids get forced down distally. So you might see a patient with a compression garment over the the, 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 the knee and the leg and, and there's nothing compressing it over the toes or the foot. And, of course, if the pressure gradient's not right, if there's too much pressure proximally, whammo, the pressure goes back down a failed lymphatic system into the foot and exacerbates yes. it. Okay. So, so, Neil, you touched on there the importance of 
um, again, draining proximally, I think was the right term that you used, or uh, at least... Um, and I suppose then on that, on that basis, that presumes that massage is also something that can be used to assist that. Um, over what period of time should a person pursue lymphatic massage? Um, is it recommended as, as ongoing or, or until the circumference is a, of a limb is reduced by a certain time? Are there, are there any criteria associated with that? Um, I, in the intensive phase, the massage will be will be quite frequent and combined with compression bandages and compression garments and the like. And however, as we get into the management phase where we've got the limb down, we've got some degree of control. Then, like I said, the patient or their partner can help take over, and then the the the, the lymphatic drainage massage um, can be less frequent, and it can be done by a well trained. Um, patient themselves or a, a well-trained partner um, combined with things like breathing and and making sure you're not constipated, making sure you're not bloated and those sort of things. So um, it can be, I mean, massage should be when you need it, when you feel like there's some increased tension building up, when a patient feels like there's some increased tension building up in the limb. that uh, feels like there's a little bit of extra fluid there. Maybe you've picked it up all by doing a pitting test in one of the lymphatic territories and say, well, there's a bit more fluid here. <laughs> Let's get in and do something. And with massage, likewise, it's, it's prepping for the massage and it's also um, just making sure it's the right sort of massage for you. Uh, lymphatic drainage massage generally uh, it should be very light, very gentle, because mm-hmm. if we go back to the lymphatic system, it's a low-pressure, low-volume, low-flow system, and that's something I want everyone to remember. Intralymphatic pressures rarely go above 10 or 15 millimetres of mercury, except if there's a big blockage when the system's pumping hard. Uh, lymphatic flow from a leg in a day is probably only about 400 mils. Okay, and it it can take sometimes, you know, half an hour or so for fluid in a normal system to get from the foot up to the groin. But, you know, if the lymphatic system is not working, that fluid might take a day to get up there or it Mm. might not be able to go there. Right. So you do the massage uh, when when it looks like it's needed in the maintenance phase. Under the guidance of of, of a therapist, you don't have to see them all the time, but certainly you need some therapeutic advice about when, but you get a feeling of that as a patient. Mm. And presumably the, uh, sadly, the longer you have it, the uh, more accustomed and, and uh, able to identify the signs, presumably. Yes, and that's part of the education for the patient. And, I, you know, I think the dietist should be aware of some of those signs that that lymphedema that they've got is not, uh, is not resolving. It's, it's, it's yeah. pretty much the same as it was. Yeah. Neil, what do, you, what do you see as the role of the podiatrist in um, lymphedema management? I, I see quite a, a, a very important role um, for a number of points of view, and um, I'm not quite sure what level of understanding you all have in terms of the lymphatics of the, of the lower leg in that, but there are, there are two major drainage, there are two major lymphotomes or territories in the lower leg and three in the upper leg, and, and each of those has got different drainage pathways. And, and it's important to be aware of 
how they drain differently. I mean, one pathway goes at the back of the knee, the other pathway goes up through the groin. But, you know, the pathway that goes into the back of the knee, into the pop nodal group, that's the one that drains the, the plantar surface of the foot. So, you know, if you've got, if you've got orthotically the wrong sort of orthotics or the wrong pressure on the wrong part of the foot, you might be compromising the ability of those plantar lymphatics to pick up lymph evenly from around the plantar surface of the foot and go to the pop nodal system. Or if you've got too much pressure of, say, a, a, a shoe on one part where there's a crucial lymphatic drainage pathway, that may influence the ability of that system to drain. So that may exacerbate uh, anything else the patient's doing um, mm. in terms of you know, managing their lymphedema. So podiatrists have got a really big role. The other big role, I guess, is looking looking at, at, at skin care, looking at those issues there because if, if, if I've got a poor quality skin or you know, one of my red flags for, for, for not doing anything with a patient is, is cellulitis, you know, you don't, don't touch them, don't know manual lymphatic drainage and that sort of stuff. So if a podiatrist sees that sort of stuff, they, they, they should be aware of what needs to be done in terms of the patient being referred and that like. But um, one of the most important things, I guess, is, yeah, the podiatrist can see what the quality of the skin is like. They can see if there's issues there like uh, maybe plantar fibromas and stuff like that and, and other warts and other skin issues, poor care of the skin around the, the nail beds and stuff like that because the lymphatic system, remember, is a sewage system. It's part of our defence system. And, you know, if there's a, a nail bed infection or something like that, our that's likely to be exacerbated if lymphatic drainage is poor mm -hmm. uh, and if that's not recognised and dealt with. So getting all that stuff out of the foot uh, by ensuring no areas of particular high pressure around the foot or on the plantar surface or wherever is going to make a big difference to the outcome mm -hmm. for that patient. Mm -hmm. so, so on that note, you touched on it in that response, Neil, the, the issue of red flags. Um, what... what um, what would be the red flags that a podiatrist might recognise and would then suggest the patient uh, be referred to, say, a, a GP or a, a lymphologist in that circumstance? I guess generally speaking, any um, cardiac failure, pulmonary issues and that sort of stuff, which will show up as a, probably a general edema. And like, hmm. like we said earlier, I mean, kidney and liver failure and those sort of issues. But um, one of the other the other important red flags are, like I said, is uh, cellulitis. And um, one of the other ones is um, the potential uh, feeling that there's something going on with the vascular with the venous system, deep veins, DVTs, and all those sort of things, or where there may be some external compression that you're not sure about on the lymphatics up in the the more proximal areas. So they're the sort of uh, red flags. And I guess um, the, the key one is cellulitis, okay, is the, 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 the beginnings of an infection or a problem in the, in the skin, in the foot or the nail beds or somewhere like that because if those bugs get hold because of the compromised um, innate and acquired immune systems, which are normally de delivered by lymphatics, you're going to end up with a pretty serious problem pretty quickly. Yeah. Neil, like a, a number of um, specialists, you'd see a large variation of patients. Um, do you have a do you have a favourite analogy that uh, 
to, to tell patients to help educate them about, about lymphedema? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is getting people to think holistically and also getting therapists to think about holistically. Because like I said early on, just remember, everything that leaks out of our vascular system in, uh, from the uh, capillary beds in the foot, everything that leaks out there has to be picked up by the lymphatic system. Nowadays, there's not much goes back into the venous system like we used to believe. It's mostly the lymphatics which are responsible for that. So, you know, you've got to think holistically. You've got to think, well, what's happening up around my, in my chest? Am I breathing well? Have I got good tidal volumes? Have I got any external uh, abdominal pressures on my lymphatics draining through there? Is, there? is my underwear and the groin too tight? You know, I should, rather than jockeys, should I have boxes and those sort of things? Mm-hmm. And my garments, is my, you know, my, my stretchy jeans too tight? Is my, my garment that I'm wearing got the right pressure? and the right pressure gradient. Or if I'm not happy with my garment, how about swapping over to wraps? Because I can adjust, the patient can adjust the wrap and get the right pressure, the right pressure gradient as the leg goes down. But the key message is holistic care, holistic awareness and and response to it. Neil, thank you for that. I I think uh, you've, you've provided some fabulous insight into the condition. I think what uh, strikes me and what I probably didn't realise is the amount of interdependency that comes from or that is that lymphedema is uh, involved with. And you've talked about things like, um, you know, the, the regular garments that people are wearing. You've talked about bloating. You've talked about constipation, things that I would never have even considered to be part of the equation. Um, thank you so much for your, your insights today. That's right. It's very happy to contribute and um, I'm always happy to provide referenced information if you need any of that for any of the group. Yeah, what I'll, what I'll suggest, Neil, that uh, I would think that at, at a later date, I expect that this will be quite a popular uh, a popular podcast, but we'd love to have you back at some stage to, to be involved again and maybe maybe a little more specific detail yeah. that we can get uh, give to practitioners and assist them in dealing with lymphedema. Yeah, I'd be happy with something more specific. The other thing I didn't mention about we might chat about next time is the other reasons for swelling and differentiating lymphedema from a lipedema, from a myxedema, from a, a, a phleboedema, because they're going to come across all those sorts of edemas. And you've, just, you've, just, you've just given us the introduction to the next, uh, next podcast <laughs> that we do together, Neil. It's been a delight having you today, Neil, and we really appreciate um, you Make giving up your time to, to be part of it. So thanks, and we'll look forward to, to um, you being involved again. You're always happy to help. Thanks, Nello. Thanks, Annette. Bye-bye. That wraps up today's episode, folks. Um, we welcome your feedback uh, and requests for podcast topics. Uh, you can email, email your feedback uh, or any topics you might have uh, that you think we might like to hear about to info at podiatry.org.au. And don't forget to check out the website podiatry.org.au as a source of ongoing updates on a range of topics for podiatrists and also where when you can take a look at our social media feeds at facebook.com forward slash Australian Podiatry Association or Twitter at apoda underscore national. In the meantime, stay safe. Thanks again for listening and take care.